my name is Ken and I want to welcome you back to my podcast, Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effective working out the will and calling of God in and through your lives. Welcome to episode two of seven, and today I want you to be prepared to go into uncharted waters. This is going to drop into things that many of us either did not want to know or dismissed it because it is not helpful to win believers. Well, this ministry is not for the unbeliever. We are equipping the saints for the work of ministry and making disciples at last so you can win others, whereby then you can do the same thing. It's my lane to speak directly to Christians. This does not mean that we do not care for the unbeliever. In fact, the opposite is more accurate in that because we care so much for the lost and wandering children of God who have yet to be plugged in, we have decided to hit the nail on the head. And sorry, but sometimes we hit your toes. You see, for 30 years I have seen and read about great numbers of converts being one to the Lord, and the question that always accompanies a harvest is what happens to all of the fish? Now I have been in churches that flat were out running for God, and still missed this one thing. I know you want to know what it is, and so you understand how transparent we are at being. I will show you the heart of our ministry. This may be hard to hear, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't say it. We are so concerned for the horrible results of abortion And yet, because we are not adequately equipping the saints for the work of ministry, we, out of our laziness or ignorance, are aborting new converts at a rate, in all likelihood, is greater than the rate of natural children. I told you this was going to be hard. I will give you one example out of thousands upon thousands that exist, and then move on. Reinhard Bonnke was an evangelist. He catches a harvest of more than one million fish at some of his crusades. Now, we could say that that number represents one million babies. Now, this number usually comes from a crusade about a week long, but at any rate, each baby Christian should have a spiritual home whereby they are equipped for the work of ministry and a spiritual parent that can make them a disciple so that they can grow from the milk, bread, and meat of the word. The result of being in this kind of spiritual family is that they will be released into ministry where they can use their natural talents, personalities, spiritual gifts, and operate in a fivefold ministry if they're called to do so. Ladies and gentlemen, this represents one crusade out of thousands that we've had on this planet. Is this system in place? Are we taking advantage of such large harvests? Nope. We can come up with no excuse unless we redefine what Jesus states when he says that you will know them by their fruit. I will finish my short rant with this. I say this next thing because we are still doing church the old way, and that is that we have aborted more baby Christians without concern than the nations have aborted natural children. No, I cannot statistically support what I just said, but in being in the modern church for almost 30 years and being part of a hard-running winning souls at all costs church and seeing that it still failed due to a lack of nothing less than equipping the saints for the work of ministry and making disciples at last, that remain, that are spiritually mature, that can fight and will fight the spiritual fight. I don't see that I'm off on my assumptions. Since 2020, we have seen the church go from a plum to a prune. The saints were not prepared for the events that God himself allowed and used to get our attention. In my message series, Church Purpose, I go into how to solve the current church crisis, the shallow saint crisis, the immature saint crisis, the self-centered lack of love, that is, lack of serving saint crisis. You see, God never corrected without giving us some instruction on how to course correct. So, in the last episode, we chatted about God calling us gods, and we worked our way up the superhero ladder 
to discussing this week who the real superhero is. So let's take a look at what a real superhero looks like and consider who this man is in light of what we just shared. In Luke 9.29 it states, As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered and his robe became white and glistening. In Matthew 17.2 it continues, And he was transfigured before them, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as a light. In Mark 9.3 it states, His clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Tide has nothing, nothing on the light of God. In Revelation 1, 14 and 15, His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. I'd like to hear that in Dolby. So in Daniel 7, 9, 10, it states, I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. Ooh, what a day that's going to be. In Daniel seven thirteen and 14, it states, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. In Daniel 7:18 it states, But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom, and possess the kingdom forever, and forever, and ever. In Daniel 7:22 it goes on, Until the Ancient of Days came, and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High, and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. In Daniel 7:27 it goes on to say, Then the kingdom and dominion, and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. And finishing, we go to Revelation nineteen sixteen, And he has on his robe and on his thigh the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords, and good grief, I cannot wait for the day. We cannot wait for the day. Iron Man has nothing on our God, and we are not of this world. This should refocus our eyes on Him and what our purpose is on earth. We are gods made in the image and likeness of a father, who then decided the plan would be that He will be born in the image and likeness to show us the only difference between us is He, and it is He who created us. We did not create Him. We came from Him, so therefore He is the originator. We are the benefactor. He alone is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. But so now we dial it back again, which is apropos given we this very weekend sprang the clocks forward, but only in time, but not in the kingdom. Let's see the response from the father to sin and its takeover of the entire world of humanity. What say him? Isaiah seven fourteen says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What? Who do you think you are? A pre-Nostradamus type? Nope, that guy was wrong, but this guy is absolutely hearing from the Father, 
who was shouting at poor Isaiah, who was no doubt trying to document what God was shouting from his mountain, while at the same time trying to wrap his mind around what he was declaring, while at the same time jumping up and down at both the sound of the coming salvation and the birth of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of gods. Okay, so now that you're thinking, this is exciting bananas, right? We get to the part that, oh my goodness, is so revelatory, I can hardly contain myself. In Isaiah 9, 6, 7, it states, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end, upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Okay, so in Ken classic form, I will include the whole story because I try and I always say, Scripture is Scripture until it is revelation. Then you are inclined to pour the whole box down your throat. Actually, I've never said this, but perhaps I'm trending that way. In Luke 1, 26-38, it states, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her good grief and glory to God, that we would all respond when God speaks to us in that manner. Look at her song that she sang, sing and sung in her response to the prophecy that she in all likelihood was not aware of at the time that it was her. It was she that he, Isaiah, was talking about. The only thing left out of the prophecy was her name. But we know God is not inclined to show off, right? I mean, think about this moment if you can. Mary was probably aware of the scripture before Gabriel had unannouncedly, but then announcedly had shown up and had probably read a scroll or three and to find out in the angel encounter of the moment that it was her he was referring to. She be the one he was talking about. What was her response? In Luke 1, 46-55, it states, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. 
He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. She and Bonnie Tyler could rock heaven all on their own. So what kind of mess have we gotten ourselves into? We had the earth in our grasp, tripped and fell, and threw it into the hands of Satan. Satan tried to throw it into the hands of Jesus, who threw it back at Satan like a hot potato, and said, I will get it back all right, but not this way and not this one. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. As we know, Jesus had to void the contract put in place by our sin first. And then we know that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Isaiah 65, 17. Undefiled by the natural man, Satan, demons and his kids, sin, hell, and death. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. And oh, by the way, we live and reign with him for a thousand years on this old rock before it is fully ended and begun at the same time. Revelations 24. But so now, as I have stated so many times, but so now our eyeball Geiger counter rips off a steady stream of clicks. Bam! Did Isaiah not say a child is born? Not will be, not was, but is born. Oh, how when we see the kingdom of God, time is stripped away of its limiting structure. A child is born, and we didn't see it until he dropped into time through Mary. So now we will give that a rest and take a look at the mystery that points to God being right again, which is that we are gods. But more important than that, we know and grow to behave like it. Not Thory or Superman-y, Supernanny, or Wonder Woman-y, but like so, we are created in his image and likeness, like he is actually dwelling inside of us. It is not so hard to understand, you see, because your father and mother are dwelling inside of you, per se. They are a part of you in the flesh. So God is a part of you in the spirit. Not so hard or difficult to fathom, right? Now, as we conclude with the storm of many messages, keep in mind that a fuller discussion on these subparts can be found in other messages. It's kind of like they, in this message, are like the secondary messages to support the primary message. Maybe better stated, it would be like eating at a smorgasbord. So family redefined. In Matthew 10, 35, 37, For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves a son or a daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In Luke 12, 51 through 53, it states, Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided. Three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. In Mark 13, 12 through 13, it states, Now brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. And children will raise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Luke 21, 16 through 17, it states, You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Matthew 10, 21, Now brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his child, and children will raise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. What? Why did you include such things in this message, Ken? Did I not say that God called us gods? 
Did not the God of his own kids say in Genesis 3:22 through 23? Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. Now least he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And didn't he remove the hellish macro chance that we would pile sin upon sin and then try and also eat from the tree of life, thinking that it would remove the sin we just committed? It would have only positioned us to live in sin forever. Yes, he did deliver us from that. But so now don't worry, because just like in the garden, when he had to protect us from ourselves, he has us now, today, giving us chance after chance. No, you don't deserve any. Remember, you were the moving party in the crimes against him and humanity. He was and is the responding party. In Ephesians 2, 4 through 7, it states, But God, who was rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Remember, you have been made a new creation at the point of your salvation. In verse 6, it states, And raised us up together. Notice the past tense in this statement. It has already happened. And made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Made us sit and in Christ at that, in community, in rest, in his peace and presence. In another message, I covered the problem with our ears and our eyes, so I won't go deeper other than to show you it's a real thing. In Mark 4, 11 through 12, it states, And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. In one of the foundational scriptures of this message, Psalms 82.6, he said, I said you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. We are singled out kids lost in a pasture of goats. Look, not to go hard again, but you are not of this world. And why act like you belong to a family that is bent on abusing you at every turn? I'm not talking about if they hated me, then they will surely hate you, Scripture. I'm talking about the part trying to fit in with the popular kids, the cool group, the beauty lookers. You know you can more aptly, aptly apply a name to the group you are trying to identify as your family. But time and reality may show you that you may belong to his family. Pride, ego, and arrogance makes for bad siblings, so don't let them adopt you. In John 15:18 through 19 it states, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Don't ask why, it wastes time. Well, it might seem like an odd place to stop, but this is a long message. So that's it for today, and no, I don't want to stop because this goes even deeper. And yes, it's still about the crib. Stay tuned in for episode 3, which will begin with describing what the seed of God is and the seed of Satan is, and the kiddos from each. You will be interested in the fact that there is a spiritual war going on, while at the very same time we live out our natural lives. And due to what I stated above about the lack of equipping, many have yet to enter into this war. Perhaps episode 3 will shed some light on the fight. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding the message, but what you can take away from it. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, steal, and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through in the people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thank you and see you next time in deep waters.